When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. We brought you in with a little Imperial March there, celebrating the fact that Star Wars Rogue One is coming out this evening. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so I'm super stoked about it. How about you, Scott? Yeah, no, I'm looking really looking forward to it. I love, yeah. I love the, the Force Awakens, so I'm excited to see uh, Yeah, what they can do to follow it up. Yeah. Yeah. For all of you who don't know, Star Wars Rogue One is coming out today. It's a uh, standalone Star Wars story that um, a little prequel you takes say. place in between uh, the first two trilogies. Mm. So, uh, gonna get a little look at Darth Vader in his prime. <laughs> really, really, just uh, slaying people with that force choke. Um, but, you know, speaking of Darth Vader, I would just really like to see Shad Khan and all black <laughs> after this season just walking through the bank, force choking people, yeah, getting them out of there. You're, you're done. done. You're you know? done. Pack your bags. <laughs> so, once again, hello and welcome to the Gin Jag podcast. Again, this is our 10th episode. We're super excited to have you here. And... Um, we're just having a little fun with some Star Wars, but on a very serious note, uh, we got to bring to you the fact that just one of the best journalists of really all time and just iconic... Regardless of sport. Yeah, regardless of sport, iconic reporter, journalist, Craig Sager, who's been battling cancer for what seems like an eternity. I don't know how long it has been exactly, but it's been a while and he's fought the good fight and today he finally passed away at the age of 65 and um if you don't if you don't know Craig Seeger he was uh 
you might recognize him as the he always wore the crazy the suits, crazy suit guy on the, on the TNT broadcast on the NBA. Yeah. But, so uh, beyond his suits, though, he really was a quality was, reporter, one quality sideline guy. One of the few, of the few guy. guys that could that actually made Greg Pop- Popovich laugh That's and crack right. a smile. That's right. So that you know, you know, he had he was something special. So you know, obviously, we're a Jaguar podcast. We don't want to spend too much of our time talking about Star Wars and uh, talking about basketball and other sports. But uh, obviously, we'd be remiss if we didn't say our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, family, friends, everybody, anyone who knows Sager, and really just the sports world. It's a huge loss for the sports world, but. Um, we'll move on here. Uh, We're a little, a little light today. Oh uh, yeah, speaking <laughs> running, of running a two-man crew. Speaking of losing some people, uh, Grant is no longer going to be with us on the podcast. Hunter Evans, however, will be with us moving forward. Unfortunately, he's not here tonight. He's on baby duty this evening. Uh, but again, you can follow Hunter Evans, who great football coach, just great. Uh, Great understanding of the game compared to most most football fans. And you can follow him on Twitter, see what he's up to, at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. And uh, this is the Generation Jaguar podcast. Again, I know we've mentioned that a couple times, but we just want to make sure you know. And you can find Generation Jaguar on the web at genjag.com. We have all the latest Jaguars news and analysis, plus we have a... A very young fan group that we've got going on. We started in 2015. It's a lot of fun. We tailgate for all the home games. Go to Bricks Tap House for all the away games. So we like to have a good time. So for more information on that, please go check out the website, genjag.com. You can also find Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter, at Generation Jag. Uh, you can follow my co-host, Scott Klein, on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. And you can follow me, Jordan DeLugo, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Jordan DeLugo. So, before we get hot and heavy into the uh, Vikings recap, we want to give you a little update on our watch party info for this weekend. We'll be at Bricks Tap House, like we said, for the Jaguars away game at the Texans. Uh, we always have a good time out there. Bricks Tap House, amazingly, every time every time I tell anyone this, they're just like, are you kidding me? But yeah, Bricks Tap House does a free cookout for every Jaguars away game, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always really good food. They usually theme it based on what town we're playing in, so... Get there early. Houston, yeah, Houston <laughs> will probably get maybe some barbecue, maybe yeah. some Tex-Mex. We'll see, but I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, it always is, and um, we'll be out there around noon. The food starts right around game time, and uh, come on out. They've got great drink specials, too, so it's always a good time over at Brick's Tap House. Uh, for the show today, we're going to get into the Jags-Vikings recap, look over some news and notes. There's some really interesting stories going on around mm-hmm. the web this week regarding the Jaguars, and uh, what we might be doing in the future. All of Interesting's a polite word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, it is interesting. (laughs) Um, 
We'll take you around the AFC South. We'll give you the updated Jaguars injury report that just came out today. And again, this is Thursday, December 15th, we think. Uh, Confirmed. (laughs) Yes, it's Thursday, December 15th. So we'll give you the latest Jaguars injury report uh, heading into their game against the Texans. And then we'll finally get into our Jags at Texans preview. Um, so Scott, you want to start off? What the heck happened? A new way to lose this week against the Vikings? Yeah, I mean it was a lot of the same, really. Well, well, there there were some nuances. Special teams really, yeah, showed their true colors this week. Yeah. Well, to me, it's so interesting because Bortles didn't turn the ball over, and that's that was all. A that's always one yeah. of our keys, you know. Yeah. Can Bortles? Keep the offense on the field a little bit, and uh, can he keep the defense out of terrible situations? And he did a good job of doing that this week, and unfortunately the special teams did not. Uh, There is just mind-blowing special team gaff after mind-blowing special Mm -hmm. team gaff this week. And it's funny because it really started out with an amazing special teams play. Yeah, the, uh, we did a fake punt early on, and um, that's not something you see a lot around Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But they converted, and uh, it was all downhill from there, unfortunately. Several penalties in crucial situations. There was a penalty. These refs are penalty me. when the Vikings are punting the ball uh, on fourth down. Uh, I can't remember who ran into the uh, punter, but. Called roughing the punter, automatic first down for the Vikings. That's it looked a real to me like he kind of got blocked in. Yeah. And they were going to the ground. It did to me too. But when you've got that many negative penalties on one unit, yeah, you know, yeah, you can blame one of those plays on the refs. But it was a it was a really bad display overall. And then you've got a penalty that hasn't been called in ages some people disagree if it's been 18 years or 11 years i've never seen that i've personally never seen it but jason myers was called for delay of game on a kickoff you know uh i've never heard of that ever happening uh i've always wondered in madden is there actually is there actually a play clock on the kickoff? Because in Madden, you can just sit there all day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's seemingly, you see players do that a lot. It seems like seems like the special teams units are out there on the field for kickoff. And there's never, I don't know. I, ne- I never knew it's that mind was a rule. It's mind-blowing, honestly. It's something you don't expect to ever see. But, of course, that's what you get with the 2016 Jaguars. It's just new ways to screw there's, themselves. There's little things that you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Just kind of scratch your head and you're just like, wow. That's, yeah. that's, uh, that's impressive in a totally not admirable way. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, defense was pretty up and down. Um, yeah. They, they, they had two goal line stands. Yeah. Which I mean, you, you stop somebody on the one yard line twice yeah, to you get the ball to back. Win. Or at least put yourself in a favorable position. You're basically stealing two possessions from them. Yeah. Um, but then you got, you know, giving up a couple big pass plays, not being able to get to, to Sam Bradford. Yeah. With a patchwork offensive line. Yeah, and the blitzes, the linebacker blitzes really actually hurt the Jaguars a lot this week. One of them in particular, Sam Bradford, escaped the pocket. 
Yes, mm-hmm. Sam Bradford escaped <laughs> the pocket and got like I think it was at least a twenty-yard run. And it's just you can't have that when you're playing. It took him one like eighteen of the, seconds too. One of the least mobile quarterbacks, perhaps of all time, Sam Bradford. And you have him running downfield on you. It's just embarrassing. And the Ryan O'Halloran put us. I saw him tweet during the game. Um, the, on one particular play, he clocked the time that Sam Bradford had in the pocket. And it was like nine point seven seconds. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's unbelievable. There's no way that that is acceptable, and a lot of that's got to go on. In my opinion, a lot of that's got to go on Fowler. And uh, I mean, unique. He did okay during the game. He actually had a what should have been a strip sack. So he should be sitting now with four four forced fumbles on the year and seven sacks. And the seven sacks would have him tied with Tony Brackens for the Jaguars' rookie sack record. But of course, another crazy fluky play. Unique strips Sam Bradford in the backfield. Bradford's able to get the ball back. It just and then, drops and sits right at his feet. And then complete a pass. So And then he gets jukes Paul Pozlesny yeah. and gets a first down off of it. Yeah. This so, is an unbelievable circumstance. Yeah. Poor Unique. He's doing the best he can out there. But, yeah. you know, Fowler, for as much as we want to defend him and say he's he has improved over the course of the season, which he has... It's just not there consistently enough, and you're starting to wonder if some of these uh, pre-draft 2015 talks about Fowler not having the elite, uh, the elite power and uh, uh, basically agility that it takes to create mm-hmm. a special edge rusher, and um, you got to start thinking about: Do the Jaguars need to really? Continue, despite using a first-round pick in 2015 on a pass rusher, they need to continue to build up the pass rush through the draft, and I think that's something that they do need to do. Yeah, like I said, like when we're sitting here saying if we could, well, a couple of us last week saying if we could get Miles Garrett, sell your soul, do whatever you can. Yeah, when we just spent a first-round draft pick. Two years ago, and we have a third-round draft pick who's playing awesome. Yeah, and we're saying we we really want this defensive end. Yeah, it's that's it's kind an of indictment on uh, the de- player development. It's an it's an indictment on the player, the coach, and the general manager. It's not working. The pass rush really isn't there regularly. There's spurts and times and games where the pass rush really comes to life. But it's not there consistently enough, and that really hurt them against uh, against the Vikings. And if you give Sam Bradford all day to throw, he's going to look like... If you give anybody. A, well, yeah, but especially Sam, yeah. who's a really accurate and smart, mm-hmm. smart passer. Uh, if you give him all day, it's not going to be pretty for you. Um, so they've got to work on trying to be more effective... Blitzing and just in their four-man pass rush against the Texans this week, which it's going to be a tough task. I don't really see it improving a whole lot unless individuals are just able to do more than they have been in the past couple of weeks, uh, like Malik, like Unique, 
like Dante. Um, a bright spot, though, with the pass rush a little bit has been kind of the reemergence of Senderic over the past yeah, he's, half of the season. Senderic is starting to look like his old self, which that's really interesting moving forward for the Jaguars. If you have Senderic playing at a high level with Malik Jackson playing at a high level, do you really want to go after a guy like maybe, say, Jonathan Allen? who you would project as probably a guy who would play the three technique and maybe some outside. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That could affect things, obviously, if they do decide to roll with Sinderic and Malik next year. And then you've still got Sheldon Day right behind them, who's a guy they really like as well. I always always say go after the potential. So for me, Sinderic, whether it would be more he's on the chopping block as as opposed to – Maybe not picking up, uh, John, let's say Jonathan Allen, but to, it's also to me saying maybe we should we need to focus on a pure edge guy more than our interior. Oh, because I, we, I agree. We've, with got, that we've got players that can make plays. We've got really good guys on the interior already. Uh, it doesn't hurt to bolster that, but yeah. at some point they're just gonna all get. And you've already actually seen that a bit this year. You know, Sinderic hasn't been plappy about his playing time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something you got to balance, obviously, moving forward. But it'll be interesting. And there's a lot of talent on that Jaguars defensive line. You'd like to see more production in terms of getting after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll come here in the last three games of the season. But who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly will see. So... The Jaguars had a lead in the second half this week, and mm. they just they blew it, plain and simple. They're a team that is extremely well-versed in blowing it. Uh, they've now lost nine straight or eight straight? Eight straight. Eight mm. straight games. They're 2-11. and 11. Uh, It's not pretty, obviously. Um, Another big storyline this year, and it continued against the Vikings, the struggles of Allen Robinson. He was targeted, I believe, only three times, only came down with one catch. And this is right after a uh, three-way meeting, uh, unprecedented three-way meeting between Allen Robinson, Blake Bortles, and uh, the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. So you would have thought... They would have at least tried to get him involved more than they did. Uh, it's still pretty mysterious to yeah. me what is going on with the passing offense. But Marquise Lee is, I think, having an effect on that, where it's not that they're not having to rely as heavily on Allen Robinson. Regardless, you want to yeah. you want to make plays. You want to give your best players an opportunity to make a play. When you throw, you throw three times at a guy who made the Pro Bowl last year. There's something funny about that. But he's also going up against Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, exactly. One of the best, he's, one of the best corners in the league. Yeah. Um, it's He's just... It's an enigma, really. Yeah, there really to, is something else. I think what we'll see moving forward from Allen Robinson in the coming seasons is somewhere in between what we're seeing now and what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think what we saw last year was a complete aberration, but I also don't think Allen Robinson's going to be putting up 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns every year moving forward for the simple fact that no one has ever continued to do that. Yeah. 
That was a historic season last year. I believe the stat is only 19 other players have ever done that in a season That's in crazy. the NFL. And uh, just to, all and, of them are <laughs> Hall of Fame type guys. Yeah. Just and just knowing that he's look at it. Look at this. He's done it for an entire season. It's, yeah. it's not a fluke. It's not just a flash in the pan. Well, okay. Over the course of his career, you you could say, oh, he, me looking back, potentially, oh, he had that one good year and never lived up to it. But when it when it's sixteen games straight, where he's making plays that just blow you away. Yeah. It's it's something where you you see guys that flash like that. It's it's got to be, I don't know if it's just it's a two and eleven season. Maybe it's not. I don't want to say the fire is not the fire might not be there like it was last year where he's trying to prove himself. Maybe he got complacent. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe he just assumed the contract was coming. I his think way. It, maybe he did get complacent. I I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't uh, take that out of the equation. I think that probably does have something to do with it. And I, Bortles hasn't come out and said that Bortles was mm. complacent this offseason, but he's all but said it. Yeah. I feel like we He pro- said he wishes he spent more time this offseason in California, um, you know, practicing his throwing motion and all his mechanics with Tom House, his quarterback coach. And. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, Bortles should have been working. He should have been out there. Well, the reason Bortles wasn't out there was because so many Jaguars players stayed here and they were working together throughout the offseason. So Bortles felt it was important Mm -hmm. to stay with the team and work with those guys. And I think that that was a very mature thing to do. But moving forward, he needs to do him. Yeah. Like and make sure he's right. <laughs> like when I go play golf, my swing's not perfect. I can go out on the driving range and just keep doing the same wrong thing over and over right. again. But unless somebody's saying, "Hey, you got a little hitch in your swing. You got to do this, this, and this," I'm still gonna I'm gonna perfect my way of doing it. That might not be the right way. Yeah, the wrong way all, all off season. <laughs> so it's, Bortles, it's so. yeah with Tom House trying to clean up his rotation. He kind of falls into the old groove that he had. Yeah. Where he's putting his hand and in he's his honestly done some things this year that I'd never seen him do <laughs> before in the past. So like the the in, inaccuracy on short throws, you never saw that from him in college prior to him working with Tom House or anything like that. So I think Bortles is still salvageable. I don't think that Bortles should be handed the job next year. Although I think he might be, mm-hmm. but I don't think he should be. Yeah. I think he should have to earn the job. Hundred percent, because it's basically it's fight or flight this year. You you better come out swinging, otherwise he's not going to be here for very long. Yeah, absolutely. And he still remains extremely confident that they can finish the season strong. He said, I believe it was yesterday. He said, you know, why why start improving over the off season? Let's start this improvement process right now. Let's finish 3-0. and And let's go into the offseason strong with something to build on instead of, you know, getting better in the offseason. Yeah, we want to get better throughout the offseason, but let's start getting better right now. Yeah. And, and I, I like that. I just love yeah. Bortles' attitude. And to me, that's a, that's a great attitude to have because in a 2-11 and season, there's nothing to play for but pride. Yeah. 
But if you look at this and say, look, this is just the season's over. We're not going to playoffs. We're not winning a division. It's an extension of the offseason. We can start prepping now. We can start, you know, just trying to make these corrections, get a jump start on it. Yeah. Um, doing what you can while you're able to be in the building because there's a long period where, where guys will go off, they'll be go on vacation, yeah. they'll do stuff, and, and deservedly so. I mean, that they, they work a ton. They put their blood, sweat, and tears in for eight months of the year. They get a couple months off. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, yeah, I mean, you, a lot of guys I feel like would just throw in the towel, all right, I'm going to make my paycheck and then get through the offseason and, Let's try and do better next year. Yeah. It really is something to see how, really how awesome and candid he is and dealing with the media. But then it makes me question, where does that report come from earlier in the season that, what was the word that was used? Basically, a teammate had contacted ESPN. A basket basket case. case. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't see that. I don't know where that came from, and I, I just really would love to know which player said that. Unless he's just putting on a show every week and just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, from from the outside looking in, we only see what he puts out. Yeah. So I mean, he could be one way in the locker room and one way outside of it. But to me, it, everything we've said that would surface. Yeah. More, More than, than just, just one on one random. Jaguar player telling a ESPN reporter. Maybe he's just a weird dude, <laughs> you know, who doesn't yeah. go along with the with the the priorities and likes of this one individual. Yeah, player. who knows just, how that happened? But it makes me wonder. Yeah, I I personally would love to see Bortles have a great redemption story in 2017. I, I think, think a lot Jaguar of fan will. well, I think a lot of Jaguar fans are done with him. Yeah. I think if, a well, lot of them if, just want him gone, which I think this is crazy. If this is the status quo, yeah. then they're yeah. justifiable in that. Right, but we don't know. Exactly. We There's don't a lot of work forward. to be put in so, to see what we can do next year. Yeah, another disappointing loss against the Vikings, like we said. We'll move into some interesting news and notes here. Um, Pro Football Weekly came out with a report today. That links the Jaguars to their former defensive coordinator and the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. That is one Mike Smith. Now, Mike Smith did have a hell of a run here in Jacksonville as the Jaguars' defensive coordinator. He was around here for the playoff runs when Jack Del Rio was the head coach. He coached guys like Mike Peterson, Donovan Darius, John Henderson, Marcus Stroud, all sorts of Jaguars legends, Rasheen Mathis, And a lot of people, Mike Smith's name has already been brought up in fan circles talking about who the coach could be next year. A lot of people aren't happy with the Mike Smith name. Uh, A lot of people only remember his last two years in Atlanta that were less than impressive, obviously. a bad taste in your mouth. But, you know, this is a guy who's a successful head coach from the very start. He he made... With Atlanta. Atlanta was like the Jaguars before, like the Jaguars are now. They were the second overall pick, I believe, when they took Matt Ryan. Before uh, 
Smith got there, and he really turned that program around. And I think it, in four in six years they went to the playoffs four times. Yeah, yeah, they did well under Mike Smith. And anybody who thinks Mike Smith is not a a good coach just really I, hasn't been paying attention to football. I think it's just because not the, the flashy offensive. Hire it's not flashy. It is in no way flashy. He's an older coach. He's not a super old dude by any means now. I don't know his exact age, but I would say early 60s or late 50s mm-hmm. at this point for Smith. Uh, and he's done well everywhere he's been. You know, yeah. he's now down in Tampa with another former Jaguars <laughs> assistant coach as his head coach, which I still just. If you would have told me when we got rid of Dirk Cutter that he would go on to be a head coach, I would have just told you you're crazy. Insane. But it's awesome for them. I'm very happy for them. But Mike Smith down in Tampa, he's got that defense rolling, yeah. and they're playing good football. So anyone who doesn't like the Mike Smith hire idea um, and says it's Foolish. I can understand people who might disagree and think we should go in a different way, mm-hmm. but for you to just straight up dismiss it as idiotic, which a lot of people are doing, that's idiotic in of yeah. itself. And while talking about Mike Smith being the Jaguars' potential head coach, that's all fine and dandy, but where is this Pro Football Weekly report coming from? There's, That's yeah, what I want to know, okay? so They won't even put their name on it. So <laughs> it's just the, by they the posted staff. the article. The article says, The way we hear it, Jaguars likely to move on from Gus Bradley. Uh, no duh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Mike Smith, the favorite to replace. Now, this article that was posted has no author. It just says Pro Football Weekly Staff. And there are no named sources in this entire uh, entire article, which generally that's the way it is in these types of situations. You don't name your source, but... The wording is the, a little strange. It's- the source doesn't even give you anything concrete to hold on to here. Uh, it says... Where is it here? I feel like it's, it's like one of those reports where they start out, the feel in the building is that the team will go this way. It's... Are you, is that the feel, or is somebody telling you that yeah. this is what we're going to be doing? <laughs> yeah, because it might just be one guy who has okay. a source that's perceiving something that the, uh, the source might not really be. Right. Here's exactly what the uh, snippet says. Here, sources have told us, Pro Football Weekly, that Smith might believe that the Jaguars' job is his if he wants it. So does Smith believe this, or does he not believe this? Yeah. Has someone actually talked to Smith about this, or is this all just conjecture? What if it's coming from Smith? He's like, oh, I think the Jaguars you know, might want me back. It's incredibly vague. It really is, and a lot of these reports like this are incredibly vague. Yeah. That's the nature of the beast, but uh, it's just kind of funny how this entire article, it's a fairly long article that goes then, into some good depth about some things. but And then it goes on in that same sentence to say that he's already looking for potential yeah. assistance. Sources, <laughs> might, sources have told us that Smith might believe the Jaguar job is his if he wants it, and that he has already begun reaching out to candidates to put a staff of assistants together. So if he thinks it's a possibility that he might get the job... And he's already putting out 
yeah. dealers for assistance. Yeah, especially and, at a crucial time in Tampa Bay's season, they're trying to they're fight trying to for make a the playoff spot. Yeah. It's really interesting to me. We'll never likely know what's really being reported on here. But regardless, Mike Smith, interesting. He has history in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't think he has any real history. Oh, actually, yeah, he does. Caldwell and Smith were both in Atlanta at the same time. So they know each other. I'm sure Mm -hmm. they have a working relationship, but... That also assumes Caldwell's here next year, which I think most of us would guess Caldwell would be here, but you really just have no idea. Yeah. Really have no idea at this point. And uh, so that is one of the interesting articles that came out. And that article actually just came out today. Uh, We'll quickly touch on a post that was posted by St. Louis today. And that was posted by St. Louis today, yesterday. Um, I know that might be a little confusing for those listening. But St. Louis today posted an article, and it's not really an article, but they made a post on their website with the title Jaguars to St. Louis question mark. Now, I'm strolling along Google, minding my own business, just happy looking at Jaguars info. And I see this, and I'm like, what? Where is this coming from? Now, you go to the page, the St. Louis Today post that they made, and there's a question there, and the question is, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, um, if the Jaguars stadium doesn't, if the Jaguars don't get a new stadium in Jacksonville, would St. Louis be a potential option for the Jaguars. And it's not clear where this question is coming from. It doesn't say that it's a question from a fan or that this is a mailbag post. It doesn't say that anywhere. It just has the question. Um, So I'm guessing this is a question from a fan, but it doesn't explicitly say that anywhere. It could be a question by the uh, writer of the post. I'm not sure. So the writer of the post goes on to answer the question and he does, to his credit, say everything I'm hearing from Jacksonville is no. Um, He also says it's extremely far-fetched to think that the Jaguars might one day move to St. Louis. But what he doesn't do is establish the fact that the Jaguars aren't going anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) It's... We're 25th in attendance this year, despite being 2-11. Yeah. If you have a team that's competing for playoffs, I think that jumps up into the uh, mid-teens easily. And and that's... A few thousand per game. Right. It's not... Right. It's not and and in the second smallest market in football. Mm-hmm. The only smaller market is Green Bay, yep. which obviously they're title town. They're always going to be good to go. <laughs> the team is owned by the fans up there, so they're going to be good to go. But he doesn't do anything to address that the attendance is actually decent. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the Jaguars owner... Recently renovated the north end zone, added some pools, and a really big outdoor uh, party area. A couple nice TVs to watch the game. Yeah, (laughs) just a couple of the TVs that happen to be the largest outdoor scoreboards in the world. Um, The fact that there's an an amazing bar inside the stadium called the Bud Light Party Zone, like a massive bar area in the south end zone. 
doesn't address anything about the recent club renovations, and doesn't mention the fact that there's a massive amphitheater being built as we speak that is connected <laughs> to Everbank Field. Like, I can't say that the guy, the writer of that post, and I believe his name was, um, let's see what it is. While we're finding his name for you, he, he doesn't mention anything about the stadium, which the premise of the question was based on the fact that the Jaguars need a new stadium. Yeah. And to me, as a journalist who covers the NFL, you should probably know if you're answering a question just what the situation is with the question that you're answering. and uh, It's just a ridiculous premise to begin with. Yeah. That probably didn't warrant a story written about it, but it, they entertained the idea. <laughs> yeah. At, so the author's name is Jim Thomas. Um, he's a well-respected uh, writer. Um, I spoke with uh, Mike K on Twitter about him, and Mike had nothing but respect and said he's a great writer. And so, you know, I don't know. You shouldn't take too much away from this, but it just struck me as a little bit of laziness. And also clickbait. Yeah. And I don't believe that um, Thomas actually posted this himself. Probably the editor posted the Jaguars to St. Louis question mark. But really bothered me. That's St. Louis's biggest um, biggest newspaper and news website. And to be spewing that just really it just shows rubbed you, me the wrong way. It just shows you how the national... Or not even national, just people outside of Jacksonville feel. Yeah. It's like, they just lost their team. They're looking for something. They, they, I mean, they, like, let's say we lose the Jaguars. I'd be out of my mind just figuring out, like, how do we fix this? And they're just like, oh, Jacksonville. They're terrible. Yeah. They, they, they have, their attendance is awful, reportedly. I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> well, over the past, past few weeks, it's been kind of purple and orange. But, yeah. Um, it's just, they just, oh, let's just, the Jaguars are, the, are obviously the team that would move. Because, oh, they were supposed to be moving to London by 2021. Right, Jason? Locking for it? Oh, um, man, we don't need to. But, well, we should. Jason yeah, Locking for it. You spew some crap sometimes, yeah. that's for sure. So, if you're listening, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, so that's two really interesting stories in one week. But there's a third one. The LA Times reported earlier this week following the dismissal of Jeff Fisher <laughs> yeah, as the Rams coach. <laughs> Actually, before we get into that, I saw a really funny meme about this. So you see the picture of um, Kevin Dyson being stopped at the one-yard line yeah. in the Super Bowl where Jeff Fisher was the Titans head coach playing against the Rams. Uh, Kevin yeah. Dyson is playing for Jeff Fisher, and the Rams stopped them at the one-yard line. So, basically, the meme goes on to say, you know, you stop us from winning a Super Bowl, I made sure the Rams will never win again. <laughs> so That's really funny. Yeah, I never, I never <laughs> even thought of that that way. Like, the fact that St. Louis crushed his dreams and then... He's he out for revenge. Up, he ended up being their coach and he's really just he's a sleeper. He's tied for the most losses yeah. in NFL history. Yes, he is. That's... Crazy. Yeah, it really is. And uh, anyways, 
So, the LA Times reported that Dave Caldwell is believed to be interested in Josh McDaniels. Now, Josh McDaniels and Dave Caldwell have a really interesting connection. They both played football together at Johns Hopkins University at the same time. Uh, Caldwell is several years older, but they overlapped playing on the same team together for at least one or two years. So they should have some familiarity with each other. And just the fact that they're two Johns Hopkins guys that have made it to the league in terms of being, you know, well thought of coach and a big time executive. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, are very interested in Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. He, despite what many people are saying, has done really good work everywhere he's been. Uh, he was able to win with Tim Tebow in Denver as the head coach. Yeah. He also was able to uh, create, or not create, but take Kyle Orton and get the best years out of Kyle yeah. Orton that Kyle Orton ever had. He was also able to take Matt Castle in New England mm-hmm. when Tom Brady went down for a full, full season and make Castle look like not just a good starter, but you know potentially a franchise-type guy. And, uh, and Jimmy then this year, perhaps he did his most impressive work. When Tom Brady went down, he got Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett to really just take hold of the team and guide them to a 3-1 and one start without Brady. So they, they won the game with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It really is just a testament to the Patriot way. He's got a pretty but good But also loss. to McDaniels. Yeah. But right. So, so got- <laughs> if you want, take away what he did with uh, anybody in New England. Still, yeah. what he has done has been impressive and shows some real skill in terms of getting the most out of your offense. And he's shown versatility as an offensive coach in terms of adjusting to uh, personnel. He really has. And I think McDaniels is a surefire going to be a head coach again in the NFL. A lot of people don't like his antics from when he was Denver's head coach, and I didn't either. I personally... He's even spoken out of it. I thought he was a jackass when he was the Denver Broncos head coach. But I believe he's done a lot of growing up. You never know how much growing up someone's done until they're presented with the opportunity again. But to me, he seems like a different guy and a guy that some team is going to be very happy to have as their head coach. Yeah, it's once again our favorite time of year, the off season coming up. That's <laughs> where right. we can speculate about how our team's going to get fixed and how things are going to be better next year. So it's it's I mean, a bright, yeah. it's a bright light at the end of the tunnel for this year. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully they make the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. I I also would like to comment on McDaniels. Um, just, I think he would bring a accountability to Jacksonville. I thought we already had accountability. <laughs> yeah. That's what I hear every single good week. Good one. But I think... Uh, a lot of people kind of hate on Bill Belichick's coaching tree, but Bill O'Brien's done well for himself. People are like, oh, he should be the quarterback whisperer because he's been such a good quarterback guy. Well, Rock Osweiler sucks, but they're still <laughs> in first place in their division and close close to wrapping up the AFC South, which admittedly is probably the worst division in football, but still 
close to wrapping it up for a second straight year. They're in control of their own destiny. And uh, Bill O'Brien's impressive to me. A lot of Belichick's other um, guys that have come from his coaching tree haven't been as impressive. But to me, I can't. I don't think you can just judge somebody. Oh, he's from Belichick's coaching tree. Screw him. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah, every single coach is his own coach. Yeah, every single coach. Has coached under somebody. Yeah, that's like saying, oh, he's he's a quarterback from, you know, Florida State. We can't take him. Oh, but then you get Jameis Winston. Yeah. Because, you know, prior to Florida, prior to Jameis, Florida State had had a run of very ineffective quarterbacks going into the NFL. So if you would think with that logic, you would miss out on a lot in terms of a uh, personnel standpoint. But... Um, so yeah, three really interesting articles that featured the Jaguars that from areas from from uh, publications that aren't local to Jacksonville, which you don't usually see all the time. So it's pretty interesting stuff. We'll move on to the injury report. Um, and again, this is the Thursday, December fifteenth injury report heading into Jaguars at Texans. Um, Bortles. Fowler, Avery Jones, Paul Puzlesny, and Peyton Thompson were all full participants in Thursday's practice despite still being on the injury report. Um, the limited guys are guys you would think are probably going to play, and these guys that were limited today were Kelvin Beecham, who's been limited all year in practice, so that's nothing new. John Cyprian, he's limited with a shoulder, you would think he would be able to go. Koyak, he's suffering from a knee injury. He was limited. Chris Ivory was limited with a hamstring. Brandon Linder's limited with an ankle. And Unique Ngakwe limited with an ankle. And those two last guys are really my two most important guys there, Linder and Ngakwe. You need to be able to win the line of scrimmage. And Unique and Linder, uh, they really contribute to the Jaguars winning the line of scrimmage. So yeah, they're, they're you really want to see those guys out there. But um, again, all those guys we just mentioned were limited, which means they're probably going to be good to go. There's one more practice before, before the game on Sunday. Um, now the guys who are not participating are a little bit worrisome. We'll start with the least worrisome, which is Denard. Obviously you would like to have Denard Robinson. Yeah. But if Ivory and Yeldon are both fully good to go, then... Yeah, you shouldn't need him, but he's a right. guy that can fill in. Right. So, not good to not have him, but not the end of the world, usually. If, if Ivory comes back, you don't really miss him. Right. Now, Chris Reed. Ooh. He is, for a lot of people listening to this, are like, who the hell's Chris Reed? Uh, Chris Reed is the Jaguars' starting left guard right now. He replaced Patrick Omame, who went down with a season-ending injury, who replaced Luke Jokel, who went down with a season-ending injury at left guard. And now if Chris Reed is unable to go with a toe injury, it's unclear who would start, but it looks like it could be Tyler Shatley, who's kind of like their utility gadget all along the offensive line. Um, That's if Linder comes back. Right, that's assuming Linder plays, because if Linder doesn't play, then it looks like Shatley would play for him. But I'm assuming Lender's going to play since he's been yeah. limited. Um, 
But yeah, that's not something you want to see with the offensive line that already is struggling greatly to run block and struggling in pass protection at times. Um, then you've got Alan Hearns, who's just been he's been hammered all year, it seems like, and now he's got a hamstring that he's been dealing with for a few weeks. I personally think we should just put Hearns on the shelf for the rest of the season. You don't want to do any permanent damage psychologically or physically. <laughs> he takes a beating to a guy. Day. He does. He's out there laying it on the line, and you can never blame blame his poor 2016 season on his effort because he is out there mm-hmm. grinding. And uh, he's a key cog in this offense. Obviously, the emergence of Marquise Lee helps you forget about that. Mm-hmm. But if you had a good-to-go Allen Hearns, Marquise Lee, Allen Robinson, and a quarterback that was slinging the ball. I find that <laughs> I find that recipe hard to beat in yeah. terms of being successful through the air. I mean, that's a really nice combination of players right there. So uh, that's the injury report for you. Before we look around the AFC South, just want to remind you, you're listening to the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar online at genjag.com. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar, and on Twitter, at Generation Jag. You can find my co-host, Scott Klein, at ScottKlein1 on Twitter. And you can find me, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, quickly, we will get into a little around the AFC South. Uh, the Texans and the Colts just faced, uh, faced off last week in Indy. The Texans came away with a victory. Uh, the Texans improved to 7-6, and six and the Colts fell to 6-7. and seven. So they're now one game back in the division, the Colts are. Obviously, the Jaguars play the Texans this week. So the Jaguars could play a little spoiler here. Yeah, we got all divisional opponents. Yeah, the last three the games are all against their divisional opponents. It goes Tex- at Texans. Versus Titans on Christmas Eve and then at Colts to end the season. And all three of those teams are right there. The Titans just beat the Broncos. Um, The Titans are really something else with that running game with Mariota playing good football. Um, He didn't play that well against Denver. Right, but who does? (laughs) But, you know, as a whole, Mariota's really... He's helping them. Yeah. He's helping them out a lot. And uh, Dave Caldwell prior to the 2015 draft, said that he believed that if Blake Bortles would have stayed in college another year and came out in the 2015 draft with Mariota and Winston, that Bortles would have been the best quarterback coming out. And I think that was clearly a a miss. A miss for Caldwell and his thinking there. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's one person on earth that would... Take Bortles over Marriott or Winston right Yeah, now. looking back, you can defend that. I mean... Yeah. It is what it is, obviously. Um, again, uh, Texans in first place, tied with the Titans. And then the Colts one game behind. And then the Jags are just way, way behind, sitting at 2-11 and 11 now. Not pretty for the Jags. But again, if you're still watching Jaguars football, if you're still listening to this podcast... Come on out to Brick's Tap House this weekend. It's in Jacksonville Beach. They have a free cookout every Jaguars uh, game. And then they also have 
really great drink specials. It's usually $4, you name it. So it's a good time out there. And we'll quickly get into a couple players that we think could be targets for the Jaguars in the upcoming draft if they are to try to uh, improve their running game. And one reason I think they should is because the Jaguars, when they've had success in their franchise history, they've had elite running backs, and that's Maurice Drew and Fred Taylor. Uh, I would personally like to see another elite back in Jacksonville. I think TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory are more than serviceable running backs in the NFL, but neither of them is ever going to be an elite back. Uh, Ivory's already in his prime, nearing the end of his prime, and Yeldon just doesn't seem to be the type of guy that would have the breakaway speed to become an elite back. Um, so, Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, they're both going to be first-round picks. Uh, what are we seeing with these two guys? Whoa. I like, to me, ever since he came out of high school, I've been enamored with Leonard Fournette. Yeah. He's just a big guy. And, like, coming out of high school, you would think you were looking at a 30-year-old grown man. Well, yeah, he does look old as shit. There's just, <laughs> but just how much bigger and stronger yeah. he was than everybody on that field. Yeah. He's he's a load, he's a violent runner, but he can get out and he'll will, he will burn you. Yeah. If you're not if you underestimate his speed. There's no question about it and one thing about Fournette that most people probably don't really realize is his top end speed is right there with Cook. They both run a 4440 and uh his top end speed might actually be better than Cook's. Now, that's with being 20 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the impressive part. He's he's a more physical back than Cook. Not to say Cook isn't physical. He can be a physical presence, but the difference between these two running backs, in my estimation, is Dalvin Cook's start and stop ability. Yeah. Fournette takes a while to get to that top speed, but once he gets there, he's flying. Mm-hmm. Now, in my opinion, Cook is just like a lightning bug. He can just go. Yeah. Uh, He's a special runner. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got hands. He's a great pass catcher. And that's, that's, he has a natural feel for where the defense is and where he needs to be to uh, elude defenders. He, so. ma- he makes so many just big home run plays. Yeah, he does. So I would personally not be in any way upset if the Jaguars went in either of those directions during the draft. There's a lot of people that don't want a running back, but... Just, and you don't want to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, the Cowboys did it last year with Elliott. Every team should be doing this now. Because yeah. the Cowboys have the best offensive line in football, arguably. They're definitely top three. Uh, but, yeah, I would love to see one of these two guys in Jacksonville. There's obviously a lot of other talented mm-hmm. players that we'll have to look at. But if the Jaguars are going to be looking at improving the running game in the first round, these are the two guys to watch. They are really 100%. something else. Yeah, uh, just... The wonders what a running game can do to help a quarterback. No doubt. It, it's we we had we've seen glimpses of it this year, but it's it's always been a struggle. And I think putting kind of splitting the load a little bit, putting some more on the running backs, so Blake Bortles doesn't have to pressure or press is it can only help. No doubt, no doubt, and. Uh... We're going to quickly do a Jags-Texans preview. Um, 
This is honestly not the most important things going on in Jaguars' world right now. It doesn't matter if the Jaguars win this game. You would like to see Bortles not turn the ball over. You would like to see him find some consistency with his accuracy, um, which will be tough against the Texans' defense that is really good against the pass. Talented group of DBs and um, really just a talented defense as a whole. They obviously miss Watt, but excuse me, they're still... Still a really strong defense. Um, My most interested things to see for this week, can't wait to see Jalen and DeAndre going up against each other. Now, lately the uh, Texans have been moving DeAndre around, Mm -hmm. uh, putting him in the slot, moving him all over the field. So it might be not a full Jalen versus DeAndre matchup, but we'll get to see him going head-to-head against each other. And... Last time they went head-to-head, Jalen clearly got the better of DeAndre. DeAndre was targeted 13 times, only came down with five catches for 48 yards and zero scores. It's a 38% uh, catch rate, which is well, well below what you need to be to be an effective receiver. And, that man uh, is my spirit animal, I swear. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. He's unbelievable. He's, I can't he's get easily the brightest spot this year for the Jaguars, yeah. without a question. Now... Uh, on the on the other front of the Texans offense, you've got the running game, which also we should, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention DeAndre struggled this year. Most of that can be blamed on Brock Osweiler being a terrible quarterback who's thrown 14 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. He's actually been worse than Bortles has this year, which is incredible that they've been able to overcome that. But the reason they've been able to overcome that is because of Lamar Miller and the running game. Lamar Miller has uh, over 1,000 yards already on the season with three games to go. And he's averaging over four yards a carry, 4.1 to be exact, which isn't earth-shattering. It's, yeah. he's a, he's a, it's good. Above average. And it's good for a guy that's getting that many carries. And he's the type of guy that can pound out tough yards. Mm-hmm. But... If you miss He's a, a, if you miss a gap assignment as a defender, he can be gone. And the Jaguars saw that. Yeah, uh, I believe Miles Jack did catch up with Lamar Miller <laughs> at like the one yard line last time they played on Lamar's breakaway run. But uh, the Jaguars have got to be sound in their front seven and the back end, just trying to slow down Lamar Miller. The Texans ran for over 180 yards on the Jaguars last time. And they're averaging in the top five in the NFL in yards per game on the ground. And a lot of that is just because they're committed to it. They They kind of have to be. (laughs) Yeah, they run the ball uh, over 29 times a game, whereas the Jaguars run it just about 24 times a game. And those five extra carries, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it's a big difference. At four yards a carry? Yeah. That's a a couple first downs. Yeah, it's a big difference. And um, it'll be interesting to see... You know, the Texans, I don't think they're going to be like, Jaguars secondary, we should be able to take advantage of them with Brock Osweiler. They're not going to be thinking that. They're going to be knowing, we got to run the ball. Yeah. And the Jaguars know they need to run the ball. Now, who can come out uh, and establish their will knowing the other team's <laughs> game plan, you know? And we've, we've played well against the run for most of the year. Yeah, there's um, been a couple of bad games, obviously. Yeah. The first game against the Texans. And even even against the Bills, it was just one play. Right. Um, so it's something where I'm pretty confident we'll be able to stand up against their run game. 
We just get turnovers. We you have to force some turnovers if you're gonna have a chance. No doubt. Um, yeah, we gotta force turnovers. I mean, this has been a historically bad season for the Jaguars trying to turn the ball over, and they've been snake bit. You know, some there's been a few times throughout the year where they've had their hands on the ball defensively, and either the refs or our own guys are knocking them. Yeah, it's taking just, them away. It's a snake bit season without question for the Jaguars' defense in terms of trying to get get their hands on the ball. And it's it's frustrating to watch, but it'll be really interesting to see how Bortles performs in this one. I I'm also interested to see Whitney Merciless versus um Kelvin Beecham. Beecham's had a pretty strong season, but last week he got abused yeah. by Everson Griffin. He gave up three quarterback pressures and two sacks, by far his worst game as a Jaguar. Um, can he rebound against Whitney Merciless, who's another talented pass rusher? I would say Everson Griffin is a much better pass rusher than Merciless at this point in their uh, careers, but both are talented players. So, got a lot of interesting matchups to watch. It's really more about watching individual play for me at this point than yeah. watching to see if the Jaguars win or lose because they're probably going to lose. Yeah, who's going to fight and put on some tape for the next coach to come in here and see what you got? Yeah, so that's going to do it today for us. The show has flown by. Uh, remember, you can follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jag on Twitter. You can follow my co-host Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Jordan DeLugo. Thanks for stopping by, everybody, and remember to come out to the Bricks Tap House this weekend for our away game watch party. And may the force be with you all. <laughs>